This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Don of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Sir John of House Frey, Lady Kira of House Arnold, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Brett of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry. This episode of Ben the Knee is protected by Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Sir Ryan of House Turbush, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island, Lady Sarah the Unraveler, Lady Raj, Mistress of Horse. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight, Fist of the Dragon, Maker of Gains, and Co-Lord of the White Claw. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful, Stealer of Hearts, Bandit of Time, Hero of Shreve, and Co-Lord of the White Claw. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Sansa 3 of A Clash of Kings, and in our Maester's study, we will, we will be discussing the lesser lions Mm -hmm. yeah as let me just say something here real quick am i wearing sunglasses yes you want to know why because i got three lights in front of my face if i don't i'll get a headache and if quinn's idea can wear sunglasses in his videos i get a wear of sunglasses in our you know podcast okay so come on it i like it otherwise otherwise i get an i get an enormous migraine and it's just how it's gonna go so it's 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 what we're doing okay there's a lot to talk about today we're back i'm back in portland in my studio it feels nice okay i i mean i loved hanging out in 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 ohio and in as a studio but there's just something about my studio I mean, I got baby yoda back there he's hanging out i got new stuff behind me my plant for those of you who, for those of you patrons who watch the video version, look at my plant. It, what yeah, the heck happened? Up. In two I, weeks, it's like that thing had like three leaves before. Now it's got like twelve. Well, hold on. Let me ask you a question: Is there a correlation to you not being there and the plant growing? Awesome. And then now that you're... might that could be the case. But I I've, I'm just I've been making yeah I've been making sure to give it more sun. I think it's also the summer and just. You know yeah. how how it is. So I mean, we'll we'll see. So, I mean, it's gotten so big, it's taken over. You know, the famous light, right? It's it's like taken over. Oh yeah. It's oh taken, yeah. It's I, taken, I also it's see. Over the light. You got you you acquired a new. Um, you know, for those of you that don't know, you should add to your title. When we add to our titles again, I think you've got to throw in like a bard of some kind. You're, you're also a, a musician, so. It's true. You know. Yeah, I got I, I got a I got an I got I brought another guitar with me back from Ohio. I got like three more there. I need to I need to have them shipped over. Uh, as yeah. well as my monster my monster uh guitar rig. But might be a little loud. Uh, I don't know if I need, mm. you know, my two four by twelves and and you know, Marshall amplifier <laughs> and, and all that. I mean, I, I could. I mean but it'd be, you know, I it, some right. you know, I mean, the neighbors would definitely probably probably hear it, but you know, it will be it'll be all right. So it'll be, yeah. 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 As you're back to school, how's that going? Yeah, man? so so right now it's just um just the teachers in the building and we're getting everything prepped. So yeah, this I'm, I'm glad 
It's, it's interesting. I was talking to you and I was talking to our buddy Lane about the idea that when when you go through stuff like this, it's like you think if you have all this free time, you're going to do all these great things and you're going to like really go crazy and stuff. But like things do get kind of like out of whack, out of sync, and you're almost better when you are in a rhythm and you have structure and it just it just seems to work better because I feel like I've been more efficient in just my day to day, like whether it's podcasting, working on school stuff and uh, fitness, health, the whole nine yards when I have that, you know, like a job to report to and everything. So I'm kind of like glad to be back. But at the same time, that's 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 right now. While there's only just right. just just the teachers there. And it's been nice to see colleagues and stuff because uh, it's going to be absolutely why. And I don't know how long it's going to last, but that's, that's another bonkers, you know, yeah. topic for another time. Um, so, yeah, it's been fine. It's been good. And you know what? Honestly, I'm glad Sir Matt is back in his studio because he jacked mine up. All right. I, I had to move all my stuff over there to the middle of the room. We had the couch on the other side. It was it was it was wild. So you know, back to normal here. I feel I feel good about my setup. So good, yeah. good, good. All right, man. Hey, as we got some Game of Thrones news to discuss from the man himself, Gur. Um, he is back in Westeros, and you know, for those of you guys uh, who may have missed it, the and I may get it actually. The uh, the hard the hardback cover of Fire and Blood came out last year. Yeah, now you can get the paperback version. Right, right. And can I say, so I'll just quote George on this. He says, but let me say, as I have said a hundred times, this is not a novel. It is an it is an imaginary history. I think George actually goes out and he sees some of those reviews like, what is this? You know, and is, this is not a novel. And he's like, no. It's not supposed to be. No dip. I mean, come it's on. It's a companion it's, book. It's, right. it's totally a companion book. Yeah, right. So just keep that in mind if you're new to that. That is literally just the history of the Targaryen reign and, and fire and blood, their words and, and what have you. It's it's great. There's actually really cool, fun stories in there and pretty uh, there's neat connections even to the main series. So wor- yeah. worth a read. And it's something actually you and I, as we get closer or towards the end of 2020, we're going to be covering a lot more of those characters in that book on our YouTube. We've been asked to do that uh, sort of as a prep for the TV show that's coming out. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, he had another post. Uh, this was on August 15th, but just because I was flying back and stuff like that, we didn't actually talk about this post. Um, back in Westeros says, I am back in my fortress of solitude again, my isolated mountain cabin. Uh, I'd return to Santa Fe for a short visit, spend some time, um, you know, with uh, people, right? Uh, and then, you know, during the months away, he did this uh, New Zealand con thing. But all of that is behind me now, and I am back in the mountains again, which means I am back in Westeros again, once more moving ahead with Winds of Winter. Uh, he talks about how his life has kind of evolved, right, and how he's I actually wrote my books books and stories in the house where I lived. But some decades ago, writing more, you know, he wanted more solitude. He bought a house across the street and made that his writer's uh, retreat. So no longer would I write all day in my red flannel bathrobe. Now I'd have to, you know, get dressed, put shoes, walk all the way across the street to write. And that worked for a while, but then things started getting busier. So he hired an assistant and then, you know, more assistant and more assistants. I think he has five assistants now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and he's got a movie theater and all this other stuff he kind of does. It says, and then he got, you know, his mountain cabin. He says, my life up here is very boring. Uh, truth be told, I can hardly, uh, I, 
I hardly can be said to have a life. Um, I have one assistant with me at all times, minions, as he calls them. Um, the assistants do kind of different shifts uh, just because of COVID. He doesn't, you know, um, have them all in there and stuff like that. So that's that's probably for the best. Um, kind of talks about what he does and, you know, he, he writes he writes pretty much all day and then he'll go through some paperwork and, and stuff like that. He says the Wi-Fi sucks up on the mountain. Um, so, you know, choices are hard for if he wants to watch something. Uh, some nights I read instead. I always read a bit before going to sleep with a book uh, with a book that really grabs a hold of me. Um, he says I may read half the night, but that's that's rare. He says I you know I sleep, I wake up, I do the next thing. Uh, before COVID, I before COVID I would usually get up get out once a week to eat at a restaurant, go to the movies. Um, that all ended in March, obviously, um, and so he just goes on. So he's like, but it's pretty much all what he's doing right now is writing. So he talks a little bit about you know just some you know stuff he always talks about like uh, just some of the cons and all these other things. So yeah. yeah. Uh, he goes on, but it's just nice to say he says um, yeah, he's finished some other things. But all, basically, all we all we need to all the big thing we need to take away from all this, he says, yeah. um, my life is at home. My life at, at home is on hold and I'm spending the days in Westeros with my pals Mel and Sam and Vic and Ty and that girl with no name over there in Bravos. Yeah, so. First of all, first question at the gate is: Is Arya really still in Bravos? <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently, right? Yeah. She still is, right? Um, so that tells that, get, that tells you something. I think this is great. You know, if you guys get a chance to go read the full post, he does actually talk about when he first moved to. Um, it's is it Albuquerque or is that where? Yeah, where he's at. Yeah, yeah he, he, lives, he, yeah, he about, lives in New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, he kind of talks about what life was like there. Really, how his life has evolved over all of these years and and I think he does these things just to kind of ah uh, just just get an it's an outlet right he needs to he needs to talk to people he needs to say something pass something along to to fans whatever it's it's a great I love not a blog I I really think it's it's cool it's good for George just to talk to us and for us to get an idea of what's going on in his mind and and it is probably wild uh I I I wanted to follow up with him and ask him since he is in the cabin mm. is he back to the flannel bathrobe because that seemed to be the, the, the good old days of writing you know like bring that back man um so no it's it's cool just to see that he's got his assistants out there and I, I i say he's a warrior right now he's fighting the good fight he's yeah. out there you know writing this story for us he's he's you know he's got no life essentially and he's just there the wi-fi sucks in his cabin in his fortress of solitude so, yeah, the, to me, the well, to me, here's the big thing out of this. Right. So we, we've broken it down and I did a big thing on Patreon about what do we know of Winds of Winter? How many chapters are there? Stuff like that. Um, you know, before he'd said Cersei and Arya and Arya Hota. Right. Um, well, now, I mean, he's just confirmed. Hey, Melisandre, Sam, Victorian, Greyjoy and Tyrion. So Sam and Tyrion and Melisandre are all new for him to at least kind of mentioned in the recent times about what he's been writing for for winds of winter so that's pretty cool yeah it is yeah and it's it's nice that like i think one of the things that people were worried about is when he if he, you know taking a break and when he switches gears to the new zealand con and speaking and doing things like that or when he has to take a time out to read some of these books and vote on literary awards and stuff like that does that uh kind of 
hinder him from like is it is it difficult for him to switch the gear back into writing and i think what he's showing us here is no it, I'm, I'm right back in it. I'm, I'm in the i'm in a groove and it's it's going well so if he continues with this type of drive for the rest of this year well i don't hear him saying things like it'll be out in 2020 you know i don't hear him saying that kind of stuff anymore that's right. what he used to say so there's a change. now he's just now he's like i'm just plowing just plowing yeah. along yeah so he's in it he's which telling is good. you I'm, I'm doing this and that way he we, we're just sitting here going okay he's actually right he just told us he just finished a chapter yesterday and then another one and then this one and that one and you're like all right, all right. He's, he's moving through this it's not like it'll be out next year you know it's no i'm writing it right yeah. now guess what i'm writing it so yeah, that's I'm good happy. that's all i need that I'm, I'm 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 way more pleased with with this type of news than i was with anything else before so yeah that's where that's where i'm at on the, on the whole on the whole situation so okay well as uh let's move over to our maester study man um we're gonna be talking about some of the lesser lannisters yeah and this is pretty this is pretty um this is pretty simple pretty straightforward just kind of want to cover some of these guys they're referenced in this chapter uh sir stafford lannister is mentioned he's a knight of house lannister and he is the good brother to the Warden of the West. Uh, he was Lady Joanna, uh, Joanna's um, brother. Let's see. He was married. Yeah, he was sister to Lady Lady Joanna, who married their cousin, Lord Tywin. So you've got some uh, some cousins marrying, distant cousins marrying inside the Lannister family. And he's often referred to as this blundering kind of fool. Uh, not a fool, but, I mean, he they don't think his military... Uh, prowess is, is very good. You know, he's just not very. He doesn't have a real good uh, uh, grip on on battle commanding and all that kind of stuff. And he, Jamie and Tywin kind of say he's he's he's, kinda, he's almost like a joke. Um, and we do hear in a Clash of Kings right now. We're at the part where you know Rob Stark, the King in the North, marches west from the Riverlands, and he's trying to avoid this the the Golden Tooth. By using this goat track, right, that that's found by mm -hmm. his direwolf, and then they come down on on Stafford's men in the night. Surprise! The Lannisters destroyed. Uh, that they're they're at, they're utterly destroyed at the Battle of Oxcross, which is referenced in this chapter too. And so there we kind of see the end of um, Stafford Lannister. So which is which is interesting. So he's just one of those guys who's been mentioned uh, here and there early on in this book, and then now he's out. Another big player is, big player, lesser player, I should say, uh, Martin Lannister, who's mentioned. He's the third son of Sir Kevin Lannister, and uh, yeah, so he's a squire. He is captured, so we have a situation where when Rob wins these battles, he's capturing these Lannisters, and he's, he's gathering these hostages, and that's 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 an awesome thing because now those are those are like you know bargaining chips that he can um, that he can use to try to get Sansa and Arya back or even just to negotiate possibly a peace. And you find out in a couple chapters that Rob does want that, and he actually everything that's happening at Oxcross and oh the crag and everything ruins literally the the peace he wanted to make and what Edmure does totally jacks up what. Rob wanted to do by retreating north and coming to some agreement to step out of the Seven Kingdoms, come to a peace with Tywin, but also have all these Lannisters. And it's just completely mucked up. But I, I want to mention Martin Lannister just because he is a uh, brother to Lancel Lannister, 
and you guys know i think lancel is more well known we understand his arc and where he's going if you've seen the show you kind of understand that he has a real drastic change later on he's eventually given lands and and the lannisters are trying to spread their influence and they marry him to i think house Derry. so martin lannister comes comes up later some of these lesser or these younger sons will be elevated later on in the series i mean They've already lost track of one of, of Tywin's great nephews or something in, in King's Landing, and Tyrion doesn't know where he's at. It was, you know, when they were attacked on their way back to uh, the Red Keep. So, like, lo like, losing Lannister, that seems to be the thing. Like, just, you know, keeping track of the Lannisters, and, like, if you can, if you get a Lannister, I mean, they're, they're worth a pretty penny. I mean, Tywin will pay, or they'll go to battle to try to get those guys back, or they'll use them uh to to gain well you know and then other lannisters who aren't captured they're using four marriages and and so on to kind of secure uh various lands and stuff but yeah those are the two that are mentioned here and i think as as we see some of these other uh individuals from the great houses that are lesser that, that get less attention early in the series they do come back and they they are pieces that that are important i mean rob will try to like Martin Lannister is almost killed and almost lost. Like the like big pieces, you know. We know what Catelyn does with Jaime. I mean, she totally jacks that jacks that up for Rob. And so, you can't keep losing these Lannister hostages. It's just it's wild that Rob is winning the battles, but yet, like he's gonna he's gonna lose the war because of little tiny grievances and little tiny missteps here and there. And they're not they seem tiny, but they're not. You know, marrying the wrong girl, um, right? Having your mother send. You know, or not listening to the advice she gave on Theon, you know, not um, or, you know, not putting someone else in charge of um, Jamie Lannister, telling Edmure Tully what your plans are before you go west so he doesn't jack everything up. So, yeah, I don't know. That's that's sort of uh, it's important to look at these other uh, these other guys and, and uh, understand who they are, and where they're coming from. And Lancel, I could have thrown in there, but I think he's he's not like really a lesser uh, lion. He's kind of a. You know, he's one of those. He's like, there's like that middle tier. You know what I mean? Yeah. But some of these ends, guys, yeah, he, he ends up coming back and being yeah. important with the faith later. Right. Right. And so he has a little bit, you know, bigger, big, bigger role. But some of these guys are mentioned like once or twice, just, just briefly. And you're like, you're like, who are they? Uh, so Martin Lannister is Lancel's brother, and um, we'll try to step into later, just so everyone knows. We'll try to step into some of his his brothers. Um, shoes and maybe help out house Lannister and help secure house house dairy. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's pretty okay. much it, man. Just some of those lesser houses, lesser uh, members of great houses, I should say. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on over to the reread. Um, this week we are in Sansa three. Last time we were with Catelyn or Catelyn met with Stannis and Renly in hopes of bringing the brothers to reason. She fails and learns that Stannis has sent a letter claiming that neither Joffrey nor Tommen are Robert's sons. Even though there is no proof, she remembers that Liza claimed that Cersei killed her husband. Catelyn asks Renly's uh, leave, but is not given it. He wants her to see him victorious in the morning. Uh, last time we were with Sansa, in response to a secret note, Sansa takes advantage of Ruckus outside the Red Keep to sneak out to the Godswood, where she is disappointed to find Dantas hollered instead of a dashing knight she prayed for. Dantos says he has a plan to help her escape and take her home. On her way, she runs into a drunken Sandor Clegane who escorts her back to her chambers. This week, Sansa 3, Sansa is called before Joffrey to pay for her brother's 
um, Rob Stark's latest victory. She is beaten um, by Boris Blunt when Tyrion arrives. He stops the beating and has her taken to the Tower of the Hand to be cleaned and treated the next morning. He offers her protection, but she refuses. So, um, uh, actually, we see this in the show. Uh, it goes very, uh, very, very similar, right? Where um, Sansa is... Man, she's just kind of she's in the chamber. She's being beat for stuff that has nothing to do with her. Um, you know, the hound uh, is there at the beginning, kind of takes her in. He tells her, hey, if you keep Joffrey waiting, it's only going to get worse. Um, she says, you know, well, she's making herself pretty for Joffrey. Right. She wonders, you know, if Joffrey's heard about uh, her and Dante's plans. And that's kind of the the background to this is as she's hearing all of these things, all she's kind of thinking about is Sir Dantas, right? And even when later when she's talking to Tyrion, Tyrion's offering her protection, but she thinks, uh, man, that might scare Dantas away for this uh, plan, you know, the, this this plan to this plan to escape. So um, ultimately she's she's let in and then she has to answer for stuff that has nothing to do with her. And this chapter, what this chapter really yeah. does is it it just it builds Joffrey because the show, you know, again, you see jo- you see Joffrey a lot more. He's in your face. Uh, you in a way almost get like POV stuff with Joffrey because he's a bigger he's a bigger he's a bigger character really in the show than he is in the books because um, the books you only see him through other people's eyes, uh, and so uh, you know you get uh, you always every time you run into him, he just he just feels like a dick. To say it, to say it yeah. uh, as, as easy yeah. as possible. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, we're trying to. He just looks worse and worse, and he's, he's just such a joke. And so, as he looks worse, uh, Tyrion, I think, is looks better, right? He looks. He looks. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the one who's coming in and is going to kind of save the day here. And what's amazing is, as we started a Clash of Kings, you see Tyrion kind of working into his role, uh, competing against his sister, gaining more power and influence. And you have to continue to remember that Joffrey is just a he's he's not of age yet and he has a regent and 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 really that that power struggle between regent and queen regent Cersei and the hand of the king has been what we've been focused on so far uh, in King's Landing, you know, in, in terms of like who's in power, who's leading things, what's going on, how they're going to defend King's Landing from Stannis and Renly and so on. But um, Tyrion has a lot of power, man. He can flat out tell the king off. And then, and then it's just it's just weird. You remember the history? He's right, also where, he's he's not afraid to either, and that's no. the thing. Yeah, no, no, he's he's not. I mean, like he he's well, and and this is this is part of it. He has these really scary mountain clan uh, individuals who are who are around him, who they do what he wants. They're loyal to him, and he's got he's got Bronn, who I think Bronn could take almost anybody. I mean, Bronn is is starting. To, he's a deadly dude. And when Sir Boros is, is told to stop and, you know, what type of knight would, you know, do this to a young lady, um, Sir Marin steps there next to him like they're going to do something to Tyrion. It's like, wait, it's, what is going on here? And then Sir Bronn's like, try it. You know, I, I say Sir Bronn because I've read so far ahead that he that he is a Sir later. Uh, but Bronn at this time is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's like, yeah, it's not going to happen. So it's just weird. To, this this whole book to see Tyrion kind of gain power to do all these things and then for that all to be taken away from him at the end and and for everything that he did just get no acknowledgement no recognition no whatever um yeah just it's wild but yeah in this in this he's he's flat out telling Joffrey off I mean later he's gonna smack Joffrey I mean he just does things like he's 
you're like, wait, what? Not the first time. Not the first uh, time either. Yeah, and you're like, this is crazy. So, I don't know. It, it, it is, it is, it is kind of wild now. And then, then you start to get this. Um, she's thinking about Sardantos. She's also you imagine Sansa, right? She is. She's put in a horrible situation. She's terrible. Uh, super young. She can't even really. I don't think. Um, I think George does, does a good job of showing us that she can't always control her face, her facial features, and like the way her composure. She's learning. But yeah, she's learning. She's learning. Yeah, um, but she does. She almost has memorized these things. You know that she has traitor. That, not that she has traitor's blood, but that like her brothers are traitors, and that she loves King. You know King Joffrey. And she's got them memorized. They don't sound authentic, and everyone knows it. But they're letting her just go through the motions. And uh, it Joffrey knows it. It pisses him off. So yeah, he brings her in to discipline her or to take out his rage on her because of what is going on with uh, with her brother. And then like secretly, she's hoping that maybe her brother could could. And the whole time when you're first reading this, you're thinking, "Let's go. Rob is going to go down there, and he is going to whip." Joffrey's ass and it's yeah. going to be great and it just doesn't happen it doesn't. Like, God, so what I was it. hoping for God. I, I I thought I was like oh it's going to be like at, you know initially I was like when Ned Stark died I was like oh it's going to be Rob versus Joffrey and then yeah. I was like when, yeah. when Rob dies I was like it's going to be Bran versus Joffrey that's how it's all going to end well no it goes in a totally different direction but that's what I did think for like a couple couple seasons there in the in the in the show before I I, you know, started getting into the books and I was like, wow, okay. I mean, that's, that's what I, th- and I think probably a lot of people thought that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It just kind of, it's, it's tough to watch her in that, in that position. And, and Tyrion has, um, sympathy on her. And we've seen all along that, t- that he, he understands the nature of the Starks. He got close with, with John and, um, I don't know. He just, he comes at everything from a different perspective and sees that she's being she's sweet, she's being tortured, tormented, and he's just not into that, you know. Tyrion's really right. not. I mean, he's just not into. Uh, I mean, he'll he'll. I mean, he'll plot to, you know. I don't know if he, if he's everyone that Tyrion is like pitted against. It seems like they they've done something that's wrong, or they have uh, meddled in things they shouldn't have meddled in, or they're doing something that's that's um, not productive for the realm, like. I don't know. I see. I seem to get behind everything that Tyrion wants wants to do, and I, I keep waiting for that to to maybe change. And I think it's maybe going to with with uh, Daenerys later on. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Well, like, Ger, right hey, Ger did Ger did just say that he's uh, he, he's he's writing Tyrion chapters. So yeah, yeah, which is awesome. Which is great. So yeah. So um, yeah. So anyway, you know, um, she's being beat right, and then you got Lancel saying right that. You know, Rob fell upon Stafford Lannister with an army of wargs near Lannisport using sorcery, right? And so all these people are, are there's a lot of talk of sorcery in this, um, in in this chapter. Um, uh, you know, Joffrey asks her if she has anything to say, right? That Joffrey brings up that that, that her dire, dire wolf, you know, savaged him. Uh, and then she says, you know, it was actually Arya's, you know, it's Nymeria. Um, and then, and all of this, all of this stuff. And, um, so you have, so you have, you kind of have all that going on, you know, just before, um, you know, Tyrion, you know, Tyrion walks in and is like, what is the meaning of this? And I think it's, I think, and, and it's great. Right. And then Tyrion just puts Joffrey in his place. 
Yeah, 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 hundred percent. I mean, uh, and this is where you have the hound. You, you start to see so back in the right, right there um, when she's being. Gosh, I mean, they basically they beat her. They 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 tear her right. clothes and stuff. It's terrible. Uh, and the hound, I think Joffrey knows better than to tell the hound to do it to have any 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 part of this because he like Tyrion would probably. He's he always says he's not a knight, right? He's not. Right. Uh, you know, he's they'll put a you can put whatever cloak you want on him, but he's gonna do what he wants to do. Uh, he do, he is still Joffrey's dog, but there's certain things for that the he time won't being. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For 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 now. And he's got a soft spot for Sansa. It is interesting that when uh, Tyrion asks for someone to to give him a covering, um, the Hound takes his cloak off and gives right. it to her. And later on, we know that the Hound rips his cloak. It's bloodied. And he leaves it for Sansa or covers Sansa. Sansa uses it to cover up um, during the Battle of Blackwater when, when the Hound leaves. So... He gives her his cloak now, gets it back in a moment, and then we'll give it to her again before he leaves. So I thought that was kind of, kind of cool. I just caught that as we were reading through here. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, it's cool to see their relationship start to kind of change and grow closer. Yeah, and then, and it may and it, something may happen with them, you know, later. The show like kind of hinted at it right a little bit, you know, like at at the end, but we never really got to see them have a have a have a conversation, which I thought we you know, we, we, we may have gotten right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tyrion asks, you know, is this like, do you have any honor? Right. Like she's, you know, she's supposed to be your wife. Right. I mean, this is yeah. like, you know, is this how you're, how you're treating her? Um, he says he's punishing her for having the blood of the wolf. You know, he <laughs> replies that Joffrey has the wits of a goose. Um, you know, Joffrey and says, Hey, the King can do what he likes. And Tyrion says, do you know what happened to Ares Targaryen who also did what he liked? Yeah. Uh, they say, you know, Tyrion, Sir Boros warns Tyrion not to threaten the king. Tyrion responds, he's only educating him. Um, and he tells, you know, Bronn and Timot to ask if, uh, to kill Sir Boros. I mean, this is one of Tyrion's most badass moments, to be entirely honest. He's just like, well, you know, maybe, maybe you should have a little talk with Bronn and Timot and, uh, and see, and see, see what they think, right? Cause I'm hand of the king, okay? Yeah. And, and, uh, right now, our, our king, uh, needs a regent. So he's not really as powerful as, mm-hmm. uh, as you may, as you may think. He says, um, oh, maybe we should go tell the queen. Tyrion says, uh, it, they should send for Cersei. Let's go get her and and see and see what she thinks about 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 this about this situation. See if she thinks what Joffrey's yeah. doing, because Joffrey does fear her a little bit. I mean, that's why it's such mm-hmm. a big deal later, right? When uh, he kind of he kind of uh, tells her off a little bit, right? Um, so you yeah. know, he says you're you're never gonna get people to love you, uh, you know, if you do all this stuff and 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 and, and whatnot. So. Ultimately, they end up they end up leaving. Tyrion takes her back to the Tower of the Hand. She's shaking. You know, I mean, obviously she was just, she was just beaten. You know, she she starts to get cleaned up a little bit. Um, and can, can, can we say yeah, can we say real, like real quick uh, before we get to the Tower of the Hand? Just one thing I wanted to point out, Sir Dantos. Yeah. Let's give that guy some credit here, okay? Because he does when um, Joffrey asked the Hound to you know um, partake in in this. We don't necessarily know what he would have done because. I just in my head cannon think now nah, he would have you know but Woody I don't know I mean maybe he would have done something who knows um, to to Sansa but he doesn't have to because Sir, Sir Dantos goes in there and starts to kind of like you know pound her on the head or whatever with and he's 
he's this fool, and Joffrey's saying, spare her face, you know, all that kind of stuff, and then eventually uh, they throw Ser Dantos down, but he does that so that way no one else has to go in there and give her a harsh beating. He's using some... What is he using? Yeah, it's, it's like it's a melon, some, yeah. Yeah, and so it doesn't hurt that much, I get. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's whatever, but he's doing it as more of to make everyone laugh and to kind of bring some humor to this and to spare her in some way. So, I mean, really... You know, the guy who steps in there for, uh, I mean, so Sir Dantos is, uh, come on, give him some credit, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, let's talk about Sir Dantos for a little bit. I mean, gosh, his story, man, is, it's just, it's heartbreaking, really. Sad. I mean, he's yeah. he's almost killed, Sansa saves him, and then he does his his duty, right? And the little finger just kills him. So, I mean, just. I know. It's crazy. Know, poor, it's crazy. Poor guy, man. Poor guy. So. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, yeah, so Tyrion takes her back. Um uh, you know, he, he gets cleaned up and then they start talking, but um he's kind of he's kind of explaining, right? Tyrion is explaining to her about um you know what some of the issues are, right? That you know, your brother is winning and that's obviously causing, you know, he's telling her the story of Rob's victory. And then we get to some some serious stuff here that I as and I both highlighted uh before we got here. So let me mm-hmm. let me pull this up, right? So um so Tyrion is kind of ex- explaining uh the battle to her, right? He says, you know, um the imp gave a, uh, d- a disdainful bark of laughter. So Lancel's a wineskin warrior who wouldn't know a warg from a wart. Your brother had his dire wolf with him, but I suspect that's as far as it went. The Northmen crept into my uncle's camp and cut his uh, horse lines, and um, Lord Stark sent his wolf among them. Even war-trained destriers went mad. You know, knights are trampling. Everything's going on. It's pure chaos, and so the, and that, that's basically what happened. And you know, Lancel said, "Hey, there was sorcery." So she asks him, she says, so then there was no sorcery. Tyrion snorts. Sorcery is the sauce fools spoon over uh, spoon over failure to hide the flavor of their own incompetence. He man, the Tyrion lines he just gives are great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, 100%. And then that you take that line and and what's so now anytime you hear that something magical or some bit of sorcery has been done, you think about what Tyrion says, and you go, "Duh, who was saying that?" You have to look at like, like who was the speaker, and are they trying to cover something? You know, it's like it's like you know, it's almost like you're making an excuse. We clearly we couldn't have won because there was there was sorcery involved. Um, no, we we know thankfully as as readers we get to we learn about Rob and and what he what he did and how sneaky he was. Now there's something to the fact that his direwolf is super smart and finds the goat trail and all of that, but. Uh, but yeah, it's it's they're totally using it as as a cover because um, they're going to and Tywin's not going to put up with that. He's going to hear about this and think you guys are a bunch of idiots. And that's why I brought up Sir Stafford is just not. Um, it, I mean, he's even if they would have been and more like uh, if it wouldn't have been a surprise attack, I think still Rob could have taken him and his forces, even if they're outnumbered a bit, because Sir Stafford seems to be uh, an incompetent military commander. I mean. To some degree, not in, not completely incompetent, but to some degree, I think Rob could have taken him, but they definitely get the jump on him because they're able to kind of find a, a sneaky way to, to get around them, avoid the, the main um, host and then attack them at night, which is, which is great. But yeah, yeah, it's a good line. It's a really good line to point out. Yeah. And maybe we, yeah, maybe we'll come back to it later, you know, once. Once, t- once later, as we progress forward, maybe Tyrion sees some more uh, thing. I, that might be a line we come back to uh, once we've got Winds of Winter and be like, "Well, I don't know, you know, here you go." So it's it'll be 
uh, it'll be cool. So basically, so he get he gets all this stuff right. Um, uh, you know, he's he's telling he's telling her uh, about uh, about the battle uh, and and stuff like that, right? And so, go ahead, yeah. Reese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just real quick, I want to mention because um, because it, it comes up a little bit later. Um, I think Sir Stat. Let me make sure he was killed by. By Karstark, right? Um, Sir Stafford Lannister was he not killed mm-hmm. by? Uh, let's find him here. Yeah, he's killed by Lord Rickard Karstark. Okay, so yeah, this neat little kind of things like George knows where he's going with all of this, and and he's showing us that you know Lord Lord uh, Karstark is is hell bent on getting vengeance and revenge on the on the Lannisters because of the the loss um, of his sons and his family and and things like that. So. Yeah, they didn't point us out. They didn't tell us who killed everyone else, but they're making a, a little nod that Rickard Karstark is is on a rampage and is and is and is ready to to take these guys out because, you know, he makes some big mistakes later on, but it's because he's just bent on vengeance, right? So yeah, just wanted to yeah. point that out. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, okay, so Tyrion, so Tyrion goes forward. He tells her, you know, a little bit more about like all these people were captured, right? Um, you know, you have, you know, 50 have been taken prisoner, including, uh, you know, Martin Lannister, who we talked about, um, in our maester study. But then he talks a little bit about how it's kind of, you know, he's like, the only mystery is how Rob reached the ox cross, right? Since Lannister forces hold the golden tooth and the men stationed there swear Rob didn't pass them. Uh, yeah. so, you know, like how, how did that happen? Uh-huh. Uh, then Tyrion's ultimately like, well, it's not really that important because Rob Stark is my father's problem. Joffrey is mine. So then the conversation shifts to Tyrion talking to Sansa about how he she feels about his nephew. And she tells her, you know, pretty little lie, right? I love him, you know, with all my heart, you know, more than ever. Uh, and Tyrion basically, I think, sees right through it, right? You know, and he's just like, oh, really? Do you? Really? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, he asks her if she's flowered, which she says no. He says that's good because that means... Because he ultimately does not want her to marry Joffrey, um, he says. There's, he says, there's never going to be a reconciliation between the Lannisters and and the Starks, um, with the way Joffrey has acted. Uh, you know, calling it a pity as the marriage was one of Robert Baratheon's better notions. He's like, that actually could have been a, a, a you know a, a good idea. So, um, he the only Sansa's concerned that this is a trick, right? And she just thinks he's going to be loyal, right? Um, and so, you know, Tyrion. Is actually trying to help her, but she doesn't. She, it's yeah. hard to say because she doesn't. She doesn't know who to trust. I mean, that's that's the thing. She's put in this position with Cersei and all that stuff. She, who do you trust? Right, and and that's so. It's 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 crazy for us because we kind of know you you can trust him a little bit, especially more than than others. Um, we know that through John, and it's something in the show. We we see that with um, when Tyrion and John think about each other and and trying to make this alliance they recall their friendship and their time on the wall. We don't have that with, with Sansa yet, yet. Right. And this is why I think that's important because like he will eventually prove to her that he is trustworthy and that he is someone who is kind and, and, and what have you. And that, um, uh, it shows you that not all house Lannister is just evil and bad. And it, and it may come back. It, she may be a part of that, uh, I don't. I don't know. Be able to find make an alliance with Tyrion, who's allied with Daenerys or something later on. Be kind of neat, right? So, uh, yeah. And so, 
Um, you know, after that, uh, she he he knows that she visits the Godwood every day. He asks her, you know, what do you pray for? She says, I pray for, um, or you know, Sansa actually prays, you know, for Rob's victory and Joffrey's death. Uh, but you know, she she claims that she just prays for an end to the fighting. Um, and and th- you know, this is the tough part because you know Tyrion, even though he hates Joffrey, I mean, ultimately he's got to root for his family to win and and put this down. So it's kind of actually an odd meeting when you think about it because you have Tyrion who's a good guy, and but at the end of the day, it, it would be best for Tyrion if Rob were obviously to lose because that's that's not going to help him out at all. And he's still a Lannister, and he's he's gonna you know he's gonna fight for his family. Um, so that is certainly uh, you know kind of kind of interesting scenario when we think about it, especially because we just think about Tyrion as a good guy, but right now he is obviously still rooting for for Tywin to Tywin to win. So, um, yeah. yep, yeah, he tells her there's gonna be another battle, right, and that and that it's probably gonna settle the issue, right? You, you know, warning her not to think that the Ox Cross was significant and to pray for her brother. She says she should really pray for her brother to bend the knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says, "Hey, once there's peace, I will, you know, I'll return you to Winterfell." Um, I yeah. have some clans. Then he offers her some some clansmen to guard her, right? Maybe Shala, if you prefer a woman. Yeah. And this is where she. This is where she starts to think. And actually, it probably would be a good idea because then maybe she wouldn't be beat or anything anymore. Uh, not that she really is, but um, yeah. you know, just tells uh, you know she's thinking that might scare Dantas off, Sir Dantas off. Yeah, it also is just kind of scary for her in general, um, and and not so not as comfortable with that type of protector. But what Tyrion knows is that those air quote monsters, um, just because they don't fit the traditional fairy tale uh, figure or or what appearance or, or or whatever, like not a knight in shining armor, uh, doesn't mean that they can't be effective. So. But there's there's a counter to that because Tyrion is surrounding himself with these monsters and these brutes and these, you know, whatever, and it helps him a lot, and he's he's able to trust them a lot, but it also hurts him in the appearance, the overall, just like his his public relations with King's Landing. They think he's terrible. They think he's evil and mm-hmm. the, the, the root of, of all the problems in King's Landing uh, because of who he surrounds himself with and just because he is he's Tyrion the Imp. Uh, as as they say and whatever i mean it's just it's crazy but they are effective and they do scare they they will at least keep uh some of those those uh kingsguard at bay just for a second and people don't mess with Tyrion when he has those guys backing him and so he does he's smart in that he picks them because of their fear factor if that makes sense yeah yeah so yeah it's tough so ultimately and then that's that's kind of the end of it and then she just kind of ends up going back right uh she doesn't want to stay in the tower cuz that's where you know her uh, her father's men were slain, and so that's yeah. that's kind of really the, the the end of the chapter. So, uh, all right, guys, let's yep. move into send a raven. Yeah, all right. So today we have a raven from uh, Lady Madeline of Ashai, the Shadow Bound, and Mother of Danes. This is uh, this is a this is a big one. This is pretty cool. Um, have not really. So I think the topic of this is kind of young Griff, and and uh we'll we'll just get into it here so i'm I'm interested i'll read this i'll see what uh, sir matt has has to say here so hello sirs i know this topic is hot and has probably been discussed before so please forgive me if this has been settled uh or if you've heard it all before or already have set opinions Uh, i i love rehashing uh old stuff and, and looking at uh new opinions and theories so this is great so thanks for taking the time to read this uh i want to talk about young griff 
and the why behind the opinion that he is a false dragon. I know that the quote from Quaith is pretty damning, and honestly, if she isn't referring to him, I don't know who she is referring to. This is a big jump in the road for my opinion, I'll admit. That said, I find myself on the other end, favoring that he is actually Rhaegar and Elia's son. Let's go. I think the term Fagon has been said too often on this podcast, and, and I'm liking this, all right? So, first of all, I just want him to be legit because I'm a Targaryen loyalist, after all. And uh, there we go, right? Welcome and to I, the club. Right, yeah. Uh, I think Danny and him are teaming up and retaking Westeros for their house would be awesome. So if that happens, that yeah, that would be that would be amazing. Uh, but I know that it can't be that simple. I guess I don't understand why the general consensus is that he is a false dragon, unless it isn't, and I'm way off base here. Here are a couple questions I can't help but ask, and thoughts I can't help but have. So, point one, Varys always works for the good of the realm. If he had any doubts about Robert or his heirs, especially if he knew of their bastard birth, but knew the Mad King had to go, is it outlandish to suggest that he may have wanted a contingency plan by switching the babies? Did he create a trilogy of Targaryens, um, Viserys, Danny, and Aegon, to elevate to power if a Baratheon rule causes the realm to bleed. It seems to me that Varys would always have a safety net. All right, point one. Uh, point two, why would John Connington agree to raise a baby that he has no loyalty to, all the while fighting his own battle with Grayscale? Why would he allow the child to believe he is the rightful king and keep his identity hidden? If Griff is Rhaegar's son, this is obvious. Of course, he would take care of his best friend's son with a dream of avenging his death. If Griff is a false dragon, which, uh, what does that mean for John? He, um, has he simply been misinformed so that he does truly believe that Griff equals Aegon? If so, I guess the only purpose uh, their whole plotline would serve would be to knock Danny off, of course, which I suppose is possible. I guess I just hope that isn't the case. Okay, that's point two. Point three, in a recent episode, you good sirs made a segment discussing Varys speaking of the death of Elia Martell and her singular babe. Uh, we did, yeah. Um, we all know that Elia had two children, so saying babe is quite suspect. I know you both err on the side of thinking the babe who lived, assuming one did, was Rainey's. But Kevin Lannister recalls the girl's lifeless body being recognizably Rainey's, who is now hiding in plain sight uh, because of her Dornish features. Whereas the boy's body was, quote, a faceless whore of bone and brain and gore. Also, Gurm has said that Rainey's is dead. I know, I know, I know. At face value, it seems more likely that the boy may have been a decoy who paid with his life to save the prince. That said, I know face value isn't worth much in Gurm's world. And I just want to make a uh, just a, a, a quick little um, correction there. We 
So one of the theories that I had was that Rainey's, I, my, I was actually proposing that both um, children p- might have might have lived. Are alive, right. Yeah, and, and that, that uh, even though there is the reference to singular in, in terms of babe, Rainey's, you know, being a little bit older, maybe didn't qualify as a babe to Varys, or he's only thinking about that one child. Um, or if you're Elia Martell, uh, would you send, would you make your, your, your plotting or your, um, your plan to, to save your children? Would, would that be, would both child, would both children be put in the hands of just one person or would you separate them in the hopes that you could put one over here and put one over here? Right. And, and possibly, you know, and why wouldn't you send your, your Dornish child with, to Dorn and you're the one who was, you know, uh, more, Targaryen in features with Varys uh, across to Essos, but yeah, that that is something we we did mention, and it is it is very suspect that um, Varys, in referring to Elia Martell's uh, death, and talks about the death of her singular babe. Um, so yeah, overall, I just want to put some of my questions out there to see if you guys have opinions or even answers to them. It is entirely possible that there are obvious answers, and I miss them. Uh, I'm pr- probably do uh, for a fresh reread. I just love talking about the Targaryens and events that happened before our current storyline. So this is the first topic I decided to go for in a Raven. Anyways, thanks for listening to me ramble. Um, oh, I just became a bannerman on Patreon, and let me tell you, I'm stoked, so thankful for you two and the work that you put into the show. The night is dark and full of terrors. Uh, Lady Madeline of Ashai, the Shadowbound, and Mother of Dane. Wow. Woo. Awesome. Thank you for that, Raven. First and foremost, yeah, as let's dive into this. Um, ultimately, I think there is there is some talk to be said just immediately about is we, we always it's like it's almost so ingrained in our head that we say false Aegon, false Aegon, false Aegon, false Aegon, whether he's a Blackfire or he's or he's or he's just some random guy. Right. Or he's a bitter, you know, a descendant of, bitter, you know, but any of these people, right? Uh-huh. Um, so f- let's talk about the idea that he could actually just be their their kid. Um, you know, something else uh, in that, I should say. At the time in which Varys were to smuggle him out, okay, King's Landing is about to be destroyed, right? And so he is smuggling him out. What's to say that... In two to three years, uh, any of the other houses aren't like, we're putting, nope, this isn't what we wanted. Um, And it's actually kind of a smooth transition, mostly because Tywin Lannister marries Cersei to Robert. But within a couple years, you have Balon Greyjoy rebel, and that gets squashed. So there is actually rebellion pretty close to Robert being announced king, but... I mean, what's what's to what's to say that uh, is not even that it goes not even that it necessarily doesn't go smoothly. But let's say, hey, um, you, you, the Reach and Dorne are like, we're going to war. We you know because they view him as weak or or whatever, and chaos doesn't ensue, and then he can come over and say, hey, actually, there's a Targaryen. Maybe we should just go back and give that another, you know, a, 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 another shot. Um, I mean, what's to what's to say that, the, and then you have the actual kid. So I think there's tons of there's tons of reasoning for it. Um, yeah. We only he only he only pulls false Aegon out during a time in which the the realm is at war anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So let's go over that. That's actually a really good point. 
Um, so I, I just want to go on record saying we, if you go back and listen to year, season one and season two of, of Bend the Knee, I, I don't refer to young Griff as false Aegon. I, I rarely have said that. Right. And oftentimes I hear it and, and Sir Matt and I will, uh, we'll switch off the podcast and I'll, and I'll go by false. Do you mean like the, right. you know, Aegon <laughs> Targaryen, son of Rhaegar? I mean, that's, that's who I'm talking about here. Um, so, and here's, here's a reason why I, I say that. And this is actually, there's, I'm not, um, the only one who thinks this there's, there's, I've got a Reddit post pulled up. I've even got a wiki of ice and fire pulled up here. If you look for, you can find a lot of people who believe that young Griff is false and that he's not truly, uh, Aegon Targaryen or whatever. And that's fine. There is, there is plenty of evidence for that. So I always try to do the opposite is, well, what's the counter evidence? What's something that, that would maybe say he is, he is legit. Um, in the story, we're just told that he, that he is legit. We're told that to, to believe this. So it's like this back and forth, right? When you're told that he is Aegon Targaryen, you're like, can we believe that? And then you go to Quaith and you say, Danny's being told to beware this mummer's, you know, false drag, this false dragon or whatever. And you have Varys and his relationship to being a mummer, right? And, and, and the falseness and the disguises and all of that. Um, but to almost counter back, it's almost like a double dupe here. The, the idea that Varys at the end of A Dance with Dragons would say to Kevin Lannister, let me tell you what he says. So Varys murders Kevin Lannister and he knows that he's a dead man. Like he knows that Kevin Lannister is going to die. And the way that he... While he's talking, he reveals that Aegon is the son of Rhaegar. Why would you reveal that to a man who is dying? You know, is it to rub it in his face? Is it like, why are you saying, why not just say I have someone right. who's coming? You know what I mean? Like, like it's almost like right. I can. It's almost like I can share this secret with a dying man. He's not going to be able to tell anybody, and I get a chance to just kind of say this. Um, and Varys knows every crevice and where the listeners right. are, and and all the spies. But he says, Aegon has been shaped for rule before he could walk. He has been trained in arms, as befits a knight to be. But that was not the end of his education. He reads and writes, he speaks several tongues, he has studied history and law and poetry. A septa has instructed him in the mysteries of the faith since he was old enough to understand them. He has lived with fisherfolk, worked with his hands, swum in rivers and mended nets, and learned to wash, wash his own clothes at need. Uh, he can fish and cook and bind up a wound. Uh, he knows what it is like to be hungry, to be hunted, to be afraid. Tommen has been taught that kingship is his right. Uh, Aegon knows kingship is his duty, that a king must put his people first and live and rule for them. Now, there's a couple things in there. So he's, he's again, revealing this to a man who is dying. But there is great, there's almost too much pride. The, the, the counter would be that there's almost too much pride that Varys has in his raising of this Aegon Targaryen, you know? And and when you go back and look at the histories and how in Varys' relationship with the Mad King and Rhaegar, who, who was Varys really serving? Um, is he serving the Mad King? Is he serving the realm? Or does he see that Rhaegar and his children possibly could, could be a better uh, situation for the future of the Seven Kingdoms? Varys is just really interesting. I think he he's in, he's someone who's working again for the good of the realm. I go back and forth on that that actual quote there. He's he's almost too proud that he has has created or or fostered this Targaryen uh, that that is going to come back and rule. 
Um, but then also, why call him Aegon, and why, you know, is that just is that just to kind of keep the facade? What what it, what is that? Why why do that to a dying Kevin right. Lannister? You know. Yeah, I mean, because otherwise you could you could really put it into and be like, I've created this guy who's going to come over, and then it's like, you know, I'm killing you, and I've done all this, and this is, you know, yeah, right. I, I'm w- I'm with you on that. Um, there is no reason for him not to to lie there. So, um, in that, it also does create an interesting scenario in which John could that does not take away from John. At all, mm-hmm. young Griff does not take away at all from John also being, you know the, the the true uh, you know a true heir or whatever. Um, yeah. And actually, if Danny comes over, I mean, think about this: young Griff and his potential. Let's say he dies, right? Young Griff almost taking over, and Danny coming over and seeing another Targaryen die, right? It actually helps push Danny's character that much more, more forward. What if Cersei kills young Griff? And she's like, I just lost. Cersei just killed my brother, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody I could have married. And we could have restored House Targaryen. And then that totally changes the dynamic of her and John, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. That could yeah, set up was... her and John actually, you know, loving each other uh, and, and, and being different. Because I don't think Gur would do that twice. So. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool different ways you can go with that story with young Griff being um, being an actual Targaryen and, and Rhaegar's actual son. There's a lot there's a lot of things you can do with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I could totally see that. Like, y- y- young Griff is is important um, to the continuation of the Targaryens, and when there are so few, I, I don't think you want to. I don't think you know. Danny's going to be more pissed if someone over in Westeros is doing God knows what. I still go back to Ariana Martell trying to create that 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 alliance. Uh, maybe she's just e- even though they sent they send Quentin Martell down to try to marry her and she kind of puts him aside. Um, you know, Doran is still trying to get his daughter now with another Targaryen. But, you know, this 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 Aegon. It, it's tough. Um, so I, on, on that on that line of thought, let's let's explore something interesting. So. If you are Elia Martell, and you've got uh, Lewin Martell, who who is in the King's Guard, and you you're setting things up here, maybe you have uh, your your confidants, people who you, you you can trust, and you are working with Varys to smuggle out your baby and do a switcheroo, right? And you've got a new baby in there who is um, uh, killed and, and is unrecognizable. Um, your daughter, uh, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at the exact quotes on that because I, I did this a long time ago. Uh, but I, I kind of think it was they. I don't know that they go over the description of of her and that she. They say she's they say they say she's Rainey's Targaryen. But I always go back to why would you set up a plan to take to for your one babe to leave and then not also set up a a, right. um, a scenario where the other one would also be able to escape. Why just one? Uh, I think you you would try to get both of them free and, and get and get them out um and i don't think she would set them both up through the same person i don't think she would say varus i want you to take both of my children and do whatever no varus you're going this route and then my daughter who is dornish i'm going to entrust to some of my dornish servants or what have you and we're going to figure out a way to get rainies out and then ultimately you know i can we 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 came up with a right. crazy kind of crackpot well, theory that she's you'd have to yeah you'd have to you'd probably have to split them both up and you have to split them both up anyway, because 
uh hold on there's two kids here one is you know one one looks more dornish and the other you know looks more white what does he be a dead giveaway it'd be a a total giveaway yeah and so it's easier if you split them up uh you know just as as you're saying here as because it's like it's a lot easier to send send uh yeah rainies who looks dornish to dorn and you know send send young griff somewhere else makes total sense yeah so i i don't know And, and again the the rainy stuff, George, as I was looking it up, and, and this is something um, that Lady Madeline had mentioned, he has said, you know, he, well, he said once. He only said this once. Um, when asked about Rainey's Targaryen, he said, no, she, she's dead. Like, he con- almost as if he was confirming that. So that stopped all of my theories and research and stuff uh. around, around that. But um, I don't know, though. I, I don't know with George. I think um, he's, he's in the... I, I, I don't know, man. I'd have to go back and look at the wording on all of that. He's 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 a crafty character. Uh, well, George I bet it, I bet about, if you asked so. him about, I mean, is Catelyn Stark dead? Yes. Yeah. But Lady right. Stoneheart lives. Uh-huh. Different. Yeah. Totally. I mean, totally different. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Did Rainey's well, die and was brought back? Exactly. I don't know. And right? there and there's a lot of people believe that um, there's a lot there's a lot of people that that buy into the John and Mira are siblings theory, and they were if that's if that's the case on that theory, they were split up. So I mean here. What's not to believe in, 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 in this idea as well. So, yeah. So it's it's still a really really cool conversation to have, and it's something so, something to look at. There again is a lot of there's a lot more evidence um, suggesting that he is a false Aegon. I will right. totally agree agree. Yeah, with that. yeah. I'm um, with you. I'm with you. I am with you on that too. But I like to f- try to find you know evidence yeah. on both sides just to make it kind of a fair just to go back and forth and look for something that, that George is trying to slip by us. Uh, but that like, you know, light bulbs go off and you're like, Holy cow, there, there it is. Um, and yeah, so we're still, we're still talking about that. We're still trying to figure it out. Varys needs to tell us more. Um, Alario needs to tell us more. We need to lo- learn more about Sorella, uh, sand or, or, or Alaris over in an old town. I don't know what in the hell is going on there. I think that is, intriguing and we're going to learn a lot about that too so yeah this was great it was a great raven and, and i'm i'm honestly um always down to talk about young griff and and look into these things a little a little closer i'm going to go follow up on the rainy stuff i think i'm going to go look that up again and get back into that that idea and see if i can't find more connections so awesome all right guys well hey with that uh, before we uh, leave real quick i will say i uh, just because i want to plug it because it's been a little bit uh if you want to follow as we as we close up here, if you want to follow myself on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere, you can do so at Super Gains Bros, all one word. And if you want to follow as you can do so at WompRat underscore two M. We do always have people asking us for that. So with that, guys, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing chapter 33, Catelyn 4 of A Clash of Kings. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you next time, and remember that winter is coming.